This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good morning and welcome to the Emerging Tech series of the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and this is the podcast where we speak to technology founders, executives and leaders from the world of InsureTech. And today, I'm very excited to be joined by the CPO of Simplify AI, Eric Lung. Eric, welcome. Hi. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I know we... Uh, We've been trying to get this one in for a while. Um, you've been busy on the road attending events within the InsureTech space, and uh, we we kind of we originally met in uh, in Barcelona, which is is always rare but nice to, to be able to do these podcasts off the back of a face to face meeting in what is a very virtual world these days. Yeah, it was uh, time flies. I can barely remember that. I wish I. Yeah, five months ago since we last spoke. So um, <laughs> yeah. we've been trying yeah. to set up meetings here and there in between. We just yeah. met each other in London. But yeah. uh, here we are. And then we uh, we're going to see a lot more of each other because you'll be on the uh, you'll be in ITI London um, with myself. Um, but we can, uh, but hopefully we can we can get a good gauge on um, you know conversation today around everything in tech and. And AI, um, you know, I know Simplify AI were hugely popular at ITC Barcelona. You know, I attended your speakers event. It was very interesting and which we'll, some of which we'll even unpack today, I'm sure. But before we get into everything, Eric, um, it's, it's, it's probably, it's always a great start. Um, if you could introduce yourself, how you kind of navigated firstly into tech and AI. You know, you've always been, it seems, embedded within cognitive solutions, computing, AI, machine learning. And um, and I guess how you ended up um, bringing that into the world of InsureTech with, with Simplify AI? Yeah, so um, very quickly, my name is uh, Eric Lern. I um, have lived in actually three different continents uh, over 10 years each. So as an Asian, I lived in the US for 10 years and now I'm settled in, uh, in Norway, in Oslo. I have a tech background, education in uh, California. And I worked in many different roles within IT world, uh, programming different languages, different technologies, from database, data warehouse, BI, CRM. And then my life was kind of turned upside down when uh, when I was first introduced to, um, to AI uh, through IBM Watson. And then when I saw that you don't really have to program everything, all the doors just open. I mean, at that time, I was more towards the business side, working as a business developer. Uh, mainly, my the one red line that goes across my career has been uh, uh, bank and insurance, actually. Uh, in the company that I worked in, I've worked as a consultant in many different uh, banks and insurance companies. So uh, for me, it has been 
a very good uh, understanding of the needs and uh, the business problems that we're solving for them. So, but the thing is, when I saw what AI can do, uh, I decided that it it's time to really take the Silicon Valley mindset and start something for our own. And that's why I started uh, Simplify uh, six years ago. And uh, from then on, I was mainly responsible for the product development. And um, it's, of course, one thing is to make software, SaaS software. Uh, it's another thing is to make it for specific industries because you need to cater for the specific needs. So when it comes to the bank and insurance companies, um, especially insurance, there is a lot of um, legal uh, compliance need is higher than most of the other industries that you come across. And uh, for us, the mentality has been, if we're able to build something for insurance companies, we should be able to do well in other industries as well. So this is how we position ourselves at the beginning. But um, as journey has gone, uh, we started six years ago when the hype of chatbot just came along. And um, since then, we watched the hype goes up and then we watched the hype dies down. And then all of a sudden, this year, or the end of last year, ChatGPT came along and then we brought up the whole AI hype once again. And um, being, uh, being through the last wave, now it has kind of made us, in a way, understanding what this means for us, this hype. We got to serve it while it lasts, but at the same time, we also got to be embraced for the one day when people have just kind of come down into reality. So, mm. um, been exciting. Yeah, um, thank you. It's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's been, I think that, that kind of hype train that we're, <clears throat> excuse me, on with, with AI is... Um, it's been it's been a really interesting journey, particularly insurance, of course, for the last twelve months with the release of of uh, of ChatGPT and and um, and I think a lot of uh, yeah, I think hype is the perfect word, you know, and 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 it's not it's nothing it's not new. ChatGPT is new. I think large language models, machine learning, you know, they're going to do the the heavy the heavy lifting. And but you know, I think. What I was really interested to have a conversation with you about was was just that you know where you see the space going. But I, I guess for the listeners, you know, you've introduced yourself. It probably makes sense to to introduce you know simplify AI. You know what is the the mission, what is the vision, um, and then we can get into get into the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the mission, what prompts us to start at the company and uh, simplify is that uh, we we see that a lot of uh, workers every day in office space are doing very repetitive work. They're just doing the same thing, blindly just clicking through the systems, following mm. some very basic instructions. And that for us is kind of a waste of talent because, I mean, to, to even make it into the office, you normally have to go through a higher education. And uh, going through all this school and only to end up doing work that are so repetitive, uh, for, for me, I think it's just a waste, especially when you consider there's so much to do in this uh, in this world. And we need to free up their skill set, their time to tackle what's more suitable for them to, to solve and leave these repetitive work for a system that AI can power. And so for us, we have um, derived a set of automation solutions to assist these uh, employees, mostly in, uh, in the insurance sector and other industries as well, to kind of do these repetitive work for them so that they can free up the time to tackle what's more suitable for uh, what kind of task that is more suited for people. 
uh, communication with customers, for example, something that requires empathy. Um, and that's kind of our mission in a way. And the way we do it is we basically just analyze how people work. And there's always these three elements within uh, the work on every day. You have uh, the interaction, you receive inquiries from uh, customers, vendors, uh, colleagues, and you need to make a decision of, is this something I can help with? Can I deal with this? Can I answer the question? Or what should I do with the inquiry? You follow a set of process. And then once you have understand you made a decision, then you proceed to perform the action. So interaction, decision, action. And that for us in Simplify is that we automate these three aspects of, um, of the day-to-day -day work and package you up into solution and make use of that in, uh, say, insurance industry, for example. Mm. So right now, we are kind of uh, mainly dealing with uh, claim intake, for example, which is a very repetitive work, large volume, and it's take up a lot of time, but it's not exactly very productive because you're basically just transferring information from the claimer into the claim system. So that's basically what we do before we can talk about a little bit later on uh, how GPT is going to change this landscape. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and you know, from, from, from your perspective, I was going to ask, you know, who benefits the most from this? Who are the customers? You know, in terms of Simplify, yeah, they're very much a software company, like providing that into the insurance company and into the insurance sector. But, um, and I think you just can answer that, you know, we're very focused on the claims element. And I think, um, I think the claims, the, 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 the claims process is one that we hear a lot about quoting and binding, and but we don't hear too much, you know, conversation around the topic of making the claims process more efficient and faster. And and AI is, of course, probably the most the 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 the, the best way to penetrate that. And I mean, talk talk to me a little bit about the evolution of the products because you'd mentioned that. Uh, at Barcelona uh, DIA, which I think everyone was really fascinated about, which was your take on GPT and the insurance space. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's called Insurance GPT. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, a bit about um, insurance claim sphere. Um, I can start with that first. Um, so what we have done already is that um, we have taken the, the incoming inquiry in the form of an email and uh, the document attachment that goes with it. And we have automated the process of bringing them into the claim system ready to be processed by a claim processor. Now, but the thing is, of course, naturally the claim is not finished at that point. It's just being registered. So yeah. when there is a large team of professionals who are dealing with these claims every day still, uh, even for our customers, and when we see the potential of GPT to combine their ability to produce text, generate um, a sort of a report, document, letters, outbound communications, and when we combine that with a set of knowledge into a knowledge base that can allow itself to be prompted by the language model, then all of a sudden you are able to mimic the amount of professional experience education that a claim processor has and we can we use that to build a model to help each of these claim processors to be more effective and to validate their decisions to make sure that they are stays consistent and mm -hmm. that 
what we are doing with insurance GPT. Every claim processor, theoretically, with this should be able to be twice as effective. You know, we can measure that by the number of things that they're able to deal with during the course of a year. But we have saved them a lot of time to read the documents because we already have the tech to do it. We can save them the time to to cross-reference, check with the law text, some of the historical cases, for example. And you basically have a preliminary decision in front of you that all you have to do is just to do a sanity check and then it's good to go. So it's a new way of dealing with claims in a way that um, would have made the speed and the quality at a completely different level. And and that obviously then allows the the claims processor to really hone in and focus purely on the more human elements of the job and allow them to humanize the claims process somewhat because I think the danger is going too deep down the road of you know automating the claims process where the human being or the customer on the receiving end of the claim is isn't really not dealing with a human being at all. It's the constant AI, it's constant um, bots. But I think what you're suggesting is that that allows them to be twice as efficient, as you've said, and then that brings in the more humanizing aspect of the claims process, which I think from quoting to binding and, 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 and signing up to your policy, you kind of want all that bit automated. You don't really need to speak to people, in my opinion. The, the part that you want a human being fully focused on you is at the claims part, personally. So um, I've gotten some great insight uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was in London. I sat in a round table with a lot of insurance uh, companies, mm. most of them are large ones. And we were spoken of, of course, for people like us. Now, first of all, I haven't filed a claim in over 10 years. Uh, so then even if I do, I will use one of the digital channel and then it will just go through and then play over after. But through them, I got to realize that it's not exactly all of it. There is a still a decent percentage of inquiry with related to the claim. It's not about actually filing the claim, but it's to call the insurance company yeah. to get the comfort that, okay, am I covered? Yeah. Or sometimes they know they're not, that the policy don't cover, but they were just hoping that they can get, I'm uh, sorry, but it isn't, or hopefully maybe they can get a positive surprise. And you can't really automate that part away, but you can at least free up the time of the claim processor to be more empathetic yeah. and spend a little bit more time and more human side of uh, the processing to give them that comfort while we're dealing with the other, the other, um, inquiries and on the other aspect is for us who are probably in a state of uh, shock or sadness if something happened to us that we need to file a claim then maybe i would rather have the efficiency of getting it done quicker mm. so when you combine the two on one end as an insurance company you really should have a track that is even faster than today to deal with the people who just want the claim processed if my some something hits my glass on my on my windshield on my car, I and I have the full coverage, and of course I expect that to go through. Zero question asked. On the other hand, is that you have other people who probably have something really bad happen to their house and don't even know where to proceed from there, and yeah. get the, get the help a little bit on the personal level from the customer support. Mm. Interesting and. You know those insights are hugely valuable as you continue to evolve um, this product in such a competitive space. And you know, I think there's um, it seems like it's true AI innovation at Simplify. I mean, the 
it seems like also the product that you're building the technology as 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 globally should be globally accepted. I mean, what markets are you working? Are you working EU and the US? And is that is this able to go into every line of business within insurance? Like it just seems like it could be a very ubiquitous kind of product and, and innovation within insurance. Theoretically, when we uh, build the platform as it is, um, it could really apply to many different industries. But yeah, but the thing is, that is only on the tech level. Right? Mm. When you come down to the competitive space, uh, especially in AI, there's just new companies popping up every week, right? Uh, and, and in that regards, then you will need to have sort of a leverage over your competitors. And on tech, especially with uh, the large language model, with the platform that has been opened up by uh, OpenAI or Microsoft, it's easy to train a new model for anything. I mean, we have my chief designer train an LLM model to, to validate the design of the uh, of of the team. You know, yeah. So it, it makes it very difficult then to distinguish yourself simply by being better on tech because people won't know it until they use it, right? So then, mm. what do you do? Then you need other type of leverage, and that for us. It states in the um, in the compliance because, as I mentioned, we work mainly with um, the finance sector, insurance especially, and they yeah. have a higher requirement to the processing of sensitive information, and they are very um, careful when it comes to risk. So, and that would to to actually be on this level in terms of uh, pre uh, preserving the privacy, information security. We can put ourselves above probably 80 90 percent of uh, available AI vendors out there because they just want to make sure the model works but does it fit in somewhere safe that's a different discussion right mm. um so, so in Europe we have this leverage um and of course a lot of uh, companies are focusing mainly on English because that's a larger language and of course coming from Norway, we need to cater for more language already at the beginning so we have that part of things as well but despite that we still don't believe that's enough not in the world of gpt because there's just simply so many coming even in europe but what we need to do is that we need to be even more focused on a given industry on a given use case and with that amount of understanding of how that works having a customer reference and spending the time to actually acquire the necessary subject matter expert as well as the relevant data to tune the model very specifically for that use case and cater for all aspect automation from end to end. Mm. That's when, in a way, the emerging of the GPT is what kind of prompt simplified to move from this um, generic AI automation platform to be very specific towards the insurance. And that's mm. kind of the change. And so when you see us in... Um, uh, Barcelona this summer, we've already taken that step and that's why we are going together with our partner, with our customer on stage by saying, you know what, we are going together to build insurance GPT. Because then people yeah. get the image that this is not just some tech boys in a, in a dark room trying to figure things out. This is validated with the large insurance player in the industry. Mm. Uh, and in fact, we actually have several within a customer reference board so that we actually get the knowledge not just for one customer, but generically across uh, the different industries and different types of insurance. Mm. And, you know, investment within AI and insurance, as you say, insurance co AI companies are popping up every day, every week, it seems. And, and particularly, 
you know, we're seeing a lot of excitement and optimism within insurance for once because it was it was kind of met with a bit of reticence um, a few years ago. AI and insurance, you know, it's, it's risky. We can't contain it. We're not sure um, how we can control this. Now the attitudes changed. Like, you know, investors want to constantly see AI within a pitch deck for the next kind of insure tech company coming up. But, you know, what are you... Uh, as a kind of leading expert out there working with such a successful company in the insurance space, what are you, what, what do you kind of see at the moment in terms of how do you really add value? So, uh, you know, a good example is, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the life and health space with an insurance, you know, the, the big thing for carriers to partner with technology companies, if they're not offering API cutting edge technology, they're, they're subpar value. You know, there's there's really nothing you can kind of offer the space from a technology standpoint if it's not cutting edge, leading API integration middleware. Um, you know, from an AI perspective, how, how do you feel like people can add the most value with their products in the insurance space? Or that's quite a big question, but I guess my point is, you know, what advice do you have for people, I guess, maybe that are starting an AI company or thinking of within the insure tech? Or maybe you don't want to answer that and <laughs> give your competition an edge. <laughs> One of the things I learned in the early days is that if you're thinking that your competition is going to take your idea, you know, try sell it, sell your idea yeah. to those competitors, see if they will implement it. Right now, it is. Um, so no, I gladly would share. Um, we have already taken a step away from the tech first approach in a way. Um, what we focus on now is what are some of the challenges our target audience, our um, ideal customer profile, ICP is facing. And yeah, we would like to think that insurance is being already highly digitalized. There's a portal, there's chatbot, there's everything that is supposed to be there to be very good at writing out policy on underwriting, uh, handling with claims, or uh, fixing the payout, or even checking the fraud. But the thing is, in reality, if you if you really experience the insurance company from a, from a customer and customer perspective, there's still a lot of imperfection. Mm. Um, the story is like people are being picked up for random check for fraud, even though it was a very trivial claim cases. Um, I uh, hear story of people who actually have some understanding of how the system works, just consistently file claim every time the person is on the travel because they know mm. it's the amount is low enough. It just gets straight through. You know, there's, there are still little things like this here and there. And uh, that, makes me believe that we're able to help the insurance company to take the next step through the user. But you got to first understand what the problem is first, and then mm. you'll figure out how to solve that with technology. So yeah. uh, if I take the example of um, tackling the people who, who are basically just filing claims, knowing it will go through because the amount is low enough, we can make the company so efficient that it would be worth it to dig into a case, even if it is just 100 euros. Right. Then you've gotten that, right? Or even less than that, even 50 euro. Uh, but then you need the help of an AI because the cost of, once you have the system, the marginal cost of actually handling one more claim is very little. But when you mm. when you first have the system in place, that's when you have done the transformation of opening up a lot more opportunities. Well, yeah. then you can start connecting the dots. Maybe you can connect. Uh, life or health insurance with the medical, which there's already a lot of companies doing that. Maybe there is um, a way of uh, connecting the car brand, cost, uh, the driving school with the insurance, and 
I see a lot of potential still that hasn't been tapped into simply because of the uh, there's just not enough resources to look into it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's endless possibilities right now. I couldn't ask, possibly sit here and ask you, you know, where exactly do you feel the gaps are that AI could fill? Because I think there's probably an endless list of things that AI can fill in terms of gaps. But what's your feeling on, what's your feeling on this, you know, the, the, the hype trend that we discussed earlier coming back to, you know, everything going on about AI, generative AI, you know, the status quo, again, a lot of excitement with, with chat GPT, you know, for me, there's kind of there's there's the analogy of the the tortoise and the hare, and the hare is the is, is generative AI, mm. and the tortoise is is large language models and machine learning, which has been going for a considerable amount of years. You know, twenty plus years probably. Um, my opinion is that all this excitement um around generative AI, I don't really, and again, I'm happy to be um you know challenged and told that I'm wrong on this, but I just don't think that generative AI is going to be the thing that takes insurance and insure tech specifically as an industry to that next level. I really believe that the large language model being the tortoise is going to be the one that that really transforms the industry over a sustained period of time because people, as you say, have to work out the problem first. You know, I don't think many people actually know what to do with generative AI and insurance, but they're just very excited about it. So, like, what's your feelings on the kind of status quo? And, and I guess to that point, it's uh, it's a good analogy. Um, I whenever I get some open questions like these, and then you know, trying to look a bit ahead, the first thing yeah. I normally do is I look back. You know, in the history, have we experienced these kind of things before? Uh, now, when uh, when I was uh, much, much younger than I am now, um, in the 90s, I was uh, in middle school uh, to high school. And that was kind of the boom of um, the internet first came along. And um, I was in California, I was in Fremont. And, um, and then when, when you hear everybody is talking about internet is the next big thing, and then the... Um, my my avatar who I stayed with was working at uh, Cisco at that time, and then we get some, of course, the, the modem, and we can connect to internet, and then you can see. And then at that time, you know, you realize that you maybe you can't do too much with it. You get some basic websites, you have some basic information that you can read. But who would have known? You know, fast forward to thirty years later, internet is one of the things we just cannot live without. We're connected in many different ways, uh, simultaneously, even. Um, you can say the same about generative AI. It's almost like a concept that mm. instead of us human have to generate everything, where AI just helps us to do the thinking, which was the previous version of the of the AI when when chatbot was such a such a big thing. It's just that it can understand things, but it it's very dumb when it comes to providing the response. Now we got something a little bit more. It can provide you with. Um, it can, it can even write you a book. It can write you a song. And um, from that point on, it's up to our imagination to what more we can use that to help us. And I believe that once it's here, it just need some time for the society to sink in and let their um, imagination get used to the technology and then start deriving new uh, ways of make use of it. And, and make no mistake, at this moment, we're still bounded. Um, if you say, if you use the hare in the total uh, example, the hare, um, the, the rabbit is actually being tied down on the foot by two things, in my opinion. One thing is the machine power. 
Um, we've spoken of um, quantum computing for quite some time because, you know, that's when you can really crank things in a much higher speed. You know, we're, the world is scraping GPUs dry because of all the models that need to be trained. You know, it's, it's been limited there in, in some sense. Uh, so we're quite not there yet. And once that unleashes, maybe we can do a lot more. I hope so, certainly. And the other part that we currently also are being binded is the internet speed. Right now, we're just starting with the 5G. And even then, I don't think it's even enough to power, let's say, self-driving cars, if you ask me. And yeah. if you have a much faster internet speed to transfer data on a completely different level, combining with the much more powerful machine power to crank the, the data, I'm pretty sure we can do things on a much, much more um, advanced level than what we are just seeing today with a few examples here and there on generative AI. I mean, we certainly don't want to really just use something that is supposed to be so profoundly useful on just mm -hmm. writing a song, for example, which is what my son did. He, he was just rewriting a song that he was doing. <laughs> I don't know how to write the text. Oh, chat GPT, please help me, kind of. Uh, it, it can do a lot more than that. You know, well, The feature that I see is that generative AI is not our assistant but they're our teacher. But that's the that's the thing that, as you say, when we when we reference the again to go back to the tortoise and the hare analogy, you know, and and the, the person is holding the, the you know the hare down by the holding the hare back by its feet. It's it's that aspect they're, they're afraid of it becoming the teacher, as opposed to they just want to maintain it and and keep it as the assistant because there's that. That fear, probably driven by, I guess, maybe an insecurity about, is are, are their jobs going to be at risk? You know, is are they going to take over at one point? But you know, you've kind of touched on it there. But I guess AI within insurance beyond, you know, this is a very difficult question to answer. I appreciate, but in the next kind of ten to twenty years, you know, beyond policy admin, increased efficiency, and, and you know, operational fluidity. You know, where where, where do you kind of see the What's your vision of where the insurance space and, and other sectors, but more specifically insurance space, where do you see it really taking it? AI and I guess, yeah, generative AI as well. Now, yeah. um, despite I worked a lot with insurance companies, but uh, I, I actually haven't had a post as a, somebody in the operational side of insurance. But but we do speak a lot about uh, where, where things are heading. Mm. Um, one, one of the once I heard a talk that actually had made an impression on me is that the time when something is truly uh, advanced and we're finally in the future is when we stop talking about it. Uh, now we still talk about you. You buy insurance on top of something. You buy a car and you go and buy car insurance. You buy a home and you go and buy home insurance. But ultimately. It shouldn't have to be so. If we can just embed it as part of the services that everyone provide, mm. then you no longer actually have to think of the concept of insurance. It's just that, okay, this is what happens when something broke. And then it would just be embedded in the terms of use of the object that you're buying. And how do you do that? It's That's when the insurance company have to also make the necessary adjustment. Imagine this. Through AI, more capable insurance company becoming even more competitive and you will have the laggers who will fall out. And when you are starting to be there, then you will prompt some company to be even more creative on refining their business model instead of just sitting here 
cranking out the math and giving you the insurance policy, maybe they need to be proactively get themselves into vendors. Kind of like the credit card, how it's now binded. If you go to a shop mm. buying a TV, you know, you pay in 24 months, you practically sign up for a credit card without knowing it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Insurance could very much be on a similar level. It's just that we're talking about innovation beyond tech, but it's on the business model. And when you're there, maybe insurance fear will be even converges further to even fewer players because they're able to handle large volume of claim cases through the use of tech, then they can have a much bigger appetite uh, for the market share than what they have today. Because you know, today, if you want to twice your uh, business, if you want to double your business, you need to hire twice as many people dealing with the claims. Mm. You can away from that right now until you have a way of automating some part of it so that the growth of labor is not linear to the growth of revenue. But um, once the tech is in place, once GPT is or uh, Janet AI is uh, doing the work for for parts of uh, the operation, I believe that it free up the ability for some company to grow monstrously, and then yeah. you really can think of very creative way of embedding the insurance product into our everyday life. Interesting. Well, look, I could I could chat to you all day about AI. I guess as a finishing point, I um you know, you've built a team, you and, and your your other founders and, and, and leaders in the business, you built a team across Norway, uh, Ukraine and India, um primarily mainly all technology, I think. Tech, obviously there's other functions too, it seems like a big tech function. You know, how how has that journey been um for you, you know, trying to build that team across different countries, different regions, you know, from a cultural perspective, whilst trying to evolve a such a rapid paced product that is AI, you know, you're you you you've not picked the, the, the easiest thing to do in both camps there. <laughs> but how's the how's the journey been and I guess the finish point, you know, what's what's next for you on the radar for in the in the team at Simplify Simplify AI for the next six to twelve months? Um, so definitely, of course, uh, it goes without saying when you're managing an international team, it's slightly more complex than if everyone sits in front of you. Uh, yeah. But it's rewarding in many ways because Norway is a small country. It's always a challenge for uh, any Norwegian tech company to get enough smart people, get enough heads to, who are willing to um, put up the work to build a product. There's, um uh, the consultancy business in Norway is going to do really well, and uh, they naturally would uh, be able to get the, the best people first, mm. and so forth. But um, but India is, of course, a country with 1.5 billion population, and you're more likely to come across to be able to build a strong team from there that, that would form the foundation, the, the team of uh, developers, uh, the product development, front-end, back-end, even data science. We have a lot of good uh, talent from India. Mm. And when it comes to building uh, the SaaS, the visuals, uh, we, we have gone to Ukraine because uh, from there we have also, from my previous job, I kind of experienced working with um, smart people in Ukraine. And the design sense, the ability to execute, is it's great. And um, tying these together, then all of a sudden we have a much more scalable team. Um, there are, of course, challenges. You, you know, um, I hear people say how offshoring or outsourcing doesn't work. Um, it's because people take the approach of managing an international team as if you're managing a local team. And that, of course, will give you some issues. Um, but it, it requires a lot more follow-up 
it requires a lot more status meetings. Stand-ups uh, has to be every day. And uh, you probably have to sync with individuals probably multiple times during a day. So the management uh, overhead is higher. But on the other hand is that you probably get a whole of uh, the same quality of people at um, half or one-third, one-fourth of the cost. And that makes you the budget that you raise funding with can last you much longer. And that, and that also enhances our survival. So um, looking back, I think that was one of the best decisions that we've done is that we have chosen to build an international team from day one and not um, uh, encapsulate ourselves within the boundaries of Norway only. It helps with both building the team, developing the product, but over time, when you have did, when you have the development base in India, you're bound to get the inbound lead. And that's what happened to us. And when we start getting the inbound leads at the frequency that we realized that maybe we just do have a market in India. I mean, ob uh, obviously at the beginning, we never thought about selling to India first. I mean, if we go from Norway, it would naturally be Sweden, Denmark, UK, Germany. And then all of a sudden we got so many inbound leads from India that we start taking them seriously and we start developing a team to, to work the market there as well. And now it's actually our, um, it's contributing to a significant amount of our uh, recurring revenue as well. So um, you would have thought, you, who would have thought, right? I mean, in the labor is achieved, you should be easy to just hire a bunch, but yet AI automation is still useful, even in, because of the volume is so high. I mean, for them, it's a hassle to recruit 50 people a year. It's like us recruiting for five in Norway. So yeah. It's the same business problem, just a different number, different scale. And um, so we have enjoyed the growth there as well. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought, I just, I think that's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer, you know, how you get it right and how it, how it works for you as a business. But I think that was just some, some fantastic insight onto, you know, that managing a, an international team. We see it being managed like in a local fashion. Which is and then the obvious reasons, but I think the insight you give as to how you kind of go about your day to day um, is, is 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 massively beneficial to people that are thinking about doing that route. You know, I know at FinPro we're 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 very close to potentially doing the same and and working with teams in India and and it is as um it's you need to treat it differently, but um but yeah, like as I say, you know, um really really insightful and. And what's kind of next for you guys, you know, in the next six to 12 months? Is it heads down, you know, building, continuing to evolve the product? Is it scaling the team? Like, what's, what's on the horizon for, for you guys? Yeah, there will be uh, two, three initiatives that we definitely will need to um, complete in the next six to 12 months. Uh, mm. One is, of course, uh, like a game in the universe, if I should use the term, uh, with the insurance <laughs> We are nearing the completion of uh, deploying with our first insurance customer. And, um, and with that, then people can actually see it, not just on the PowerPoint or video level, but they will be able to see how that works, right? Uh, and then uh, the second one is, uh, we will need to be focusing a lot more on the insurance. Um, we need to build a team that actually understands insurance. Um, so right. this kind of um, our memory to a, to a given industry um, then um, in addition is that uh, we need to um, also look back how GPT or generated AI as a technology can help us to enhance what we already have built of the AI automation platform from Simplify. And um, we see a lot of uh, potential to use that technology to enhance our own product performance as well. 
and of course uh, internally we we are embracing the technology uh, we are getting co-pilot by the way uh, once it is available so that we are able to enhance the efficiency of everyone as well within the organization so um wow it's really exciting times ahead yeah super exciting there's a lot going on there um but like good luck um i uh, look forward to uh, to seeing you in iti london next year eric but it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for giving us your time and coming on and, and discussing all of this it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and much appreciated thank you for the invitation it was a pleasure thank you